You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. God, thanks for your goodness, your loving kindness, and I pray uh, you bless this time. I pray you'd help us to walk in uh, our true identity that's been conferred unto us graciously through Christ. I ask your prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So this is uh, this has been a six-week series. This is about um, three big questions that every kid will ask, and so it comes this based on the the this book by Kara Powell. Three big questions that every teenager that change every teenager making the most of your conversations and connections. So she identifies kind of these three existential questions that are kind of in every child's heart, every person's heart. Um, they really kind of flow out of our basic creation, um, the way that God made us uh, from the beginning. And those three questions are identity, who am I? Belonging, where do I fit? And then purpose, what difference can I make? And so um, we've covered belonging and purpose in the previous weeks. And so we're starting now the last few classes, identity, who am I? And so um, the big point here, a big a, a reason we're doing this is because what you'll find is in a lot of the questions your children ask or kind of strange obsessive behavior they might de- demonstrate, um, some of the arguments you may get into, so on and so forth, that these questions are often at play. A question of identity, a question of purpose, a question of belonging. Like your, your child, um, when they start to pester you in the fifth grade, let me have Snapchat, let, or sorry, let me have TikTok, let me have TikTok. It's not about TikTok, it's about uh, other kids at the lunch table have TikTok and they're talking about it and I'm not allowed to have TikTok so I feel like I'm on the outside of the conversation and I want to belong. It's really a question of belonging. Um, Or when they start hammering you for Instagram, uh, you know, in the seventh grade or whatever it may be, it's like I feel like I'm such a dork because I don't have Instagram Everyone has it. My parents will let me have it. I feel like such a loser. It's a, it's a question of identity. Um, your child's hyper-anxiety anxi- hyper uh, about being, the, being a star basketball player uh, or whatever it may be, a lot of that is, it may have to do, it's, it's could, a lot of, all of these are at play. My purpose is that I'm an athlete. My, my identity is that I'm the star and the way that I'm in the group is because I'm a great basketball player. That's why I'm accepted. That's why I'm in the group. So anyhow, so that's why we're, that's just kind of, it's always helpful for me to have a conceptual framework through which I can filter these questions and kind of for me to say like, okay, the meltdown is not about the meltdown. The meltdown is not about the phone. The meltdown is not about uh, the tryout. The, the meltdown is actually about these deeper, these deeper needs in our heart that are uh, in keeping with our with our creation, the way that we're made and designed in God's image. And so, um, and so that being said, if that's what the real issue is, then the real answer and the real comfort comes from the Lord. It comes from what the Lord has given to us through Christ. It comes from what the Lord um, has conferred upon us in our creation as people made in the image of God, having the, the dignity and sacred, sacredness of a human being made by God. And so today, we're gonna, um, for two weeks, we're going to talk about identity and um, this is a big buzzword. It can get sometimes I kind of like roll my eyes because it gets a little bit overplayed. But honestly, with teenagers, it's pretty much one of the biggest 
big, uh, not just teenagers, for every child. I mean, I think you know the reason, the reason when I was like seven years old that I threw a tantrum at the Birch Tree Invitational Swim Meet that was so, so profane and explosive, seven years old, almost got kicked out, is because I like identified myself very young as like, I'm a good swimmer. Like I win the high point, that's what I do. So when I got disqualified for leaning on a false start uh, and got fall, and, and so then I didn't get any points in that event, I wasn't gonna get the high point, I was apoplectic. Because that was, that was a major threat to my identity as the good swimmer who wins the high point. Um, and so it's not just your teenager, it's really, it's really at play you know, at all ages. It's human, it's part of being human. It's, it's at play for all of us. Let's, let's, let's have a hashtag, keep it real. Um, so, so anyhow, I would say though, particularly as your child starts to become a preteen, and they get into middle school and high school. Uh, honestly, it, it even starts earlier than that. There is this sense that our child is trying to carve out an identity for themselves, and we can all we can all get that. Like we can uh, we can look back to our you know nine year old, ten year old, fourteen year old, fifteen year old self, and we can think about how it was that we were trying to construct an identity. Maybe you had, maybe you were one of those kids who had the fashion experiment where you wore uh, big black combat boots to school and a trench jacket, and you wanted to dye your hair black. Uh, there was there was probably some identity construction going on there. Um, yeah, and so uh, so with all that being said, I think perhaps one of the most comforting and helpful things that you can be equipped with to bless your children throughout this whole season is the ability to tell them what true identity is. Um, to tell them that true identity does not come from your performance. It's not something that you create and construct for yourself. Uh, it's not something that is contingent upon the response of the world. Uh, true identity is a gift from God. It's stable. It comes through Christ. And it's, it's, uh, it's not something that you can screw up. It's not something you have to earn. It's something that you just dwell in. Something that you rest in and have a lot of comfort in. That is, uh, yes, the, the, the journey of a child is a crisis of identity. And um, to, be, to be blessed with a stable identity that comes from God is one of the most grounding and comforting and stabilizing things that a child can have. So we're going to talk about that. Um, in the next 24 minutes. All right, so starting here in Colossians 3, we're going to talk about true identity versus false identity. But starting in Colossians 3, it says, Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self <coughs> with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. So in a sense, you know, he, he, uh, Paul uses this language of old self and new self. And, and he's saying, and he's rejecting all of these cultural identities. To say, you know, um, to say that, um, yeah, this, these identifying people as Gentile or Jew, circumcised as uncircumcision, like, these identities are false. They don't exist. Like, identity comes from two places. It comes... It, it's based in one. Every person has a, has a true identity and that they are made in the image of God. doesn't matter what they believe, their religion, 
every single person uh, has the identity of being made in the image of God. And that means that every person is sacred, every person has uh, dignity, and every person has infinite worth um, because they're made in the image of God. You're sacred. Um, And so second part of our identity is conferred on us by Christ. It is Christ tells us who we are. Um, And so let's look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So uh, when he says he is a new creation, this functions at two levels. One, you've entered into the kingdom of God by... um, by repentance and faith. You've entered into the kingdom of God, into the new creation. So there's like a location element to it, but there's also an identity element to it by virtue of the fact that you have been through, um, through Christ, have been transferred into the kingdom of God, into the new creation. You are now identified as forgiven and righteous, uh, washed and clean, and adopted child of God. That's your identity. Um, and that, again, has been, you can see, uh, all this is from God. God is the one who defines our identity. He's the one who gives it to us. Um, and so let's look at this chart here, false identity versus true identity. You're going to see that living under a false identity is natural. And I'll say that 97% of my days I live under a false identity. Like, it's just these rare moments where, by the grace of the Holy Spirit, I repent and I'm like, oh, you know what? Like, that's who I actually am is an adopted child of God, and that's enough. You know, for the most of the time, so much of our kind of like striving is, um, uh, is, is, is coming out of living in a false identity. And, it, and that's probably the worst in our parenting can come when we wrap our identity around our kids. Um, you know, not, we're not looking to God, but we're looking to our kids. And like, their good behavior tells I'm a good parent. Their bad behavior says I'm a terrible parent. Um, the, uh, the behavior of the, 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 the other kid in the class who's really bad, whew, I must be really good, right? Um, or, yeah, so with that being said, and we see it, we see it all the time especially in sports, with the dads, wrapping our identity around our kid being a, a good athlete or a bad athlete. And there's just a very real experience for a dad, depending on the dad, a lot of dads. Um, and sometimes I'm in this camp and sometimes I'm not. Just throw, a little, throw, throw myself under the bus here. Of like, your kid is playing really bad or your kid's crying on the field or your kid's not being aggressive or whatever, and you're getting all like mad, you're getting all this anger inside, and you're getting frustrated, like, come on, man. And you want to, you know, and, and um, you know, and you want to kind of like yell across the field, you know, something that might be kind of shaming to get them to go. All that is about your own identity being wrapped around your child, um, usually. Or, I mean, come on, let's throw some shade at the moms. I mean, that's, it's only fair here. You know, moms who kind of want to orchestrate their kids' social lives so that, you know, they want to kind of position and maneuver their kids so they're in the cool group or whatever it may be. Like, that's, that's not about your kid. That's like, it's most likely about us wrapping our identity around our child. I want my kid to be cool because I'll feel cool, whatever it may be. I don't know. 
that's my best attempt to be a middle-aged woman. I, you know, I can only do so much. <laughs> so, so anyhow, so with that being said, we can see false identity versus true identity. Um, a false identity is self-generated. Um, it is it's self-constructed. Uh, and, and, you know, that's, that's like... I mean, that's like in our face right now all the time. This idea of like, you know, identity construction um, and, and the fluidity of identity. It's, it's a big, it's very, very prevalent in, in, in modern society. Second thing is it's usually based on our performance. Um, false identity always, like if you have to construct it, then you have to maintain it. You have to achieve it. You have to build it. You have to sustain it. Had a um, this great mentor who um, he played in the NFL for like seven years, and he played for the Chargers. And um, after he retired, um, he was in a grocery store, and he had, uh, y'all probably heard me tell the story before, but he had someone come up to him, and, and he was like all-century team at Auburn as a kick returner. I mean, he was a stud. And so uh, someone came up to him at a grocery store and goes, hey, you used to be Mike Fuller. You know, this, so he, this is post-retirement. It's like, I still am Mike Fuller, you know? But the way the person said it was, you used to be Mike Fuller. Um, I don't know if you guys remember the, uh, the movie um, Friday Night Lights, Booby, Booby Miles, how Booby you know, tears his ACL, and he tears it again, and he can't play, and he's just weeping in the car. And do you remember the quote? It's like, I'm nothing. I'm worthless. Who am I? You know, like... He's, it's like his whole identity had been annihilated because he was the star athlete, but now he's injured and, you know, and he's really never going to play at the same level again, and it's gone. He's not the superstar anymore. And so you can see that it's based on your deployment. It, it depends on validation of people. Um, the world is kind of going to say, like, hey, your identity is good. You know, your identity is enough. Your identity makes you lovable, whatever it may be. Um, and it's unstable and ever-changing. This was one of Paul Zoll's positions on identity. He said, like, your identity is, like, constantly changing. If, if, it's, if your identity is not based on what God has deemed your identity is. If it's anything else, it's just totally, constantly evolving, right? And um, something that's very important for, like, us to have a sense of comfort in our own skin, you really don't want it to be <laughs> something that is, you know, up and down, like the you know the the, the Nasdaq, and so um, so anyhow. But the true identity it comes from God. It's a gift from God. It's based on the performance of Christ, and it comes as a gift from God. It's from God's grace. It's secure in the justification of Christ. It, it depends. Like God says, this is who you are. That's who you are. You don't need the world to validate it. God says it's enough. You're of worth. You're sacred and lovable. And then finally, it's secure and it never, it's never changing. It's stable. And so Henry Nowen says this about true identity. He says, Jesus came to announce to us that an identity based on success, popularity, and power is a false identity. It's an illusion. Loudly and clearly, he says, you are not what the world makes you, but you are children of God. Satan asked Jesus to prove his belovedness. Don't know how bevedness came in there. His belovedness by changing stones to bread by throwing himself from the temple tower to be carried by angels and by accepting the kings of the world. But Jesus resisted these temptations of success, popularity, and power by claiming strongly for himself his true identity. Jesus didn't have to prove to the world that he was worthy of love. 
he already was beloved. And this belovedness allowed him to live free from the manipulative games of the world, always faithful to the voice that, he had, that had spoken to him at the Jordan. So you can see that. You know, he kind of sums up a lot of what's in that chart. So I think I'll just say this just for, for all of us personally. False identities work really well until they don't work. <laughs> um, and then it's really bad. And so I think a part of like, living in a true identity isn't just remembering who I am in Christ, which we'll talk about more in a second, but it's also repenting, like knowing what your false identities are and repenting from those. Um, you know, my identity is that I'm a successful business person or that I'm a great mom or that I'm an awesome golfer or whatever, whatever that identity may be. Know what that is and just repent from that. Um, that's what actually helps us to live in this sense of self-security and this sense of comfort in our own skin. And one thing we see here, I want to look at these three incidents where God comes to people in the Bible and he gives them a new name. Um, when Abraham was 90 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and Abram, not Abraham, but Abram, and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. So God has the right to name him. God has the right to answer this question for Abraham, who am I? God has that right. God has that authority power. We don't get to answer that question for ourselves. Um, so he says to Sarah, Sarah, as for, as for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations, kings of people shall come from her. So, you know, Sarah means mother of nations. Again, God is the one who defines that. Same thing with Peter. Jesus comes to Peter and he says, you are Simon, son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter, which means rock, because he'd, be, he'd build his church on it. So one thing I want to say here is, you, so you can see here, identity comes from God. It, it comes from the Lord, not from us. That's where we look for true identity. And that's where we want to point our, point our kids. Um, we'll talk about that more at the end, but that's where we want to point our kids. Um, and, you know, I will say, so I said there are two parts of our identity. One is that we're made in the image of God. Second part, when you become a believer, is that you're deemed forgiven and righteous, washed and clean, adopted child of God. Okay, so I will say, though, there is this, uh, you know, word in our culture, snowflake, um, that we kind of use to mock these fragile 20-somethings. Um, and I participate in that. <laughs> um, but there actually is this snowflake uh, terminology, which is, you know, like every snowflake is unique and individual and all of that. Um, that's true. Like every person is made uniquely. Every person does have unique DNA. Every person is born at a specific time, in a specific place, with a specific personality and, and gifts and features and all that kind of stuff. Um, and that is, all of those things reflect that we're made in the image of God. Those things don't define us, like the gifts and the talents and the unique things about us. Those don't define us, but those are a reflection of the, the uniqueness of your creation. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. 
And so those are things, it's okay to celebrate those, the uniqueness of your child, the interest that your child has, that you, know, you may have a child who is really, really passionate. These are things to celebrate and to say are good. Um, that's not what defines them. What defines them is they're made in the image of God. But those things are a reflection of the image of God. You can come away from this lesson hearing like, um, I cannot recognize in any way the uniqueness of my child. I've been celebrating that for a long time. That seems like a good thing, but as he's saying, it's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Um, the, the, the snowflake, the uniqueness of your child, is a reflection that they're made in the image of God. Um, and, it, and it speaks to their purpose in the world, but it also speaks to, it just affirms that they're made by God in a special way uh, in the image of God. And so that's one thing I would say there. Uh, next text. Sorry, I'm just rifling through material. I'm so sorry. Um, we'll have time for some, for some Q&A, but um, uh, who does God say that you are? So this is from Isaiah 62. Now this is mainly applied to the nation of Israel, but it's, uh, this, this is applicable to the individual as well. This is, this is a beautiful text. This is Isaiah 62.4. You shall no more be termed, no more sure be called forsaken, and your land shall no more be, called, be termed desolate. But you shall be called, my delight is in her, and your land married, and the Lord, for the Lord delights in you. And your land shall be your land shall be married. So this this idea that you shall be called my delight is in her. Um, wow, what a you know what a what a statement to like an identity that comes from the Lord and how precious um, how precious that identity is. There's this song uh, it's uh, by Hillsong, and the listen listen to the lyrics here. I'm going to sing it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. Um, <laughs> come on now. Um, so uh, I, I did sing in a sermon one time at a conference, but it was a, it was a gospel song. I only sing gospel in public, as you know. Um, okay, so who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. Oh, his love for me. Who the sun sets free. Oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Um, free at last, he has ransomed me. His grace runs deep. While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me. Yes, he died for me. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. So there's just this affirmation of like, this is just like great language of how we kind of speak the truth to ourselves internally and, and how we might speak the truth like to our children. Um, because, you know, this like false identity, it can cut in two different ways. Like, um, so, yeah, sorry, again, to notice, like there's this affirmation, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God over and over again. Yes, I am. Um, I'm chosen. I'm not forsaken. I'm rejecting a false identity. I am who you say I am. You're for me, you're not against me. I am who you say I am. And there's this kind of like repetition of this that to say like, who I am is who you say I am, right? And God, you say that I am a, a child of God, that's who I am. So on the, there's, on the one side, like there can be what I would call like a positive false identity. And by that I mean like your child is really, really good at something. They're, you know, they're a really good student. They're at the top of the class. 
they're a great tennis player, they're a great swimmer, they're a great dancer, and so on and so forth. And so what happens is they start to internalize that false identity, um, even though it's really positive. It probably gets them a lot of affirmation. It gives them a lot of gratification. And there's nothing wrong with being excellent at what you do. That's a, that's a, that's a good thing. Like, go for it. Praise the Lord. Simultaneously, when you start to internalize those things as who you are, who I am is a great tennis player, who I am is a great student, then every single time you step into the arena, whatever that arena looks like, your identity is on the line. It's on the line. Who here can, can like, from being a kid can identify with that? Remember, I mean, I, I mean every, every time I swam, it was like, you better win, you know? And if I, and if I did poorly, I would, I would throw a huge tantrum um, afterwards. I, 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 you, this guy can throw a tantrum. Um, or every time you took a test, like the pressure of the pressure of taking a test or taking the ACT or an AP exam, it's not just that I want to do well, it's the anxiety goes to the next level of my identity is on the line. So that's how it can kind of subtly play out in like a, a positive but false identity. All false identities are, are they, they lead to despair and anxiety and pressure. But then there's the negative false identity and that's your child or a young person sends out that picture in the eighth grade. Um, you know, they send out the nude picture and it goes around and they get known as the person who sent out the nude picture, right? And so, um, you know, they, they make some kind of mistake that's really, really public. Or, um, yeah, and, and so then, then it's, they kind of feel this sense of worthlessness and shame as a product of that. That's a false identity. Like, it's not of the Lord to live in, like, a sense of shame and despair. That's not of the Lord. And that's where... No, that, that actually, what you did, that has nothing to do with who you are. Like, you made a mistake, and there are consequences for that. Simultaneously, who you are is an adopted child of God. You're washed and clean. That's who you are. Uh, there's this delineation between what you do and who you are. And that's an important delineation to constantly make for your child. Um, before a game, hey, look, remember, you're, you know, do your best. Try your hardest. You know, be a good teammate. But remember... Who you are is not a great soccer player. Who you are is a child of God. That's who you are. And this is something that's not like, no, no one's ever going to get it. It's something we have to like revisit constantly, all the time. Um, and so one little tool here, we're going to skip Good Good Father. Uh, even though it has a great lyric of, I'm loved by you, it's who I am. It's who I am. Um... But the Gospel Identity Catechism. And so some of you are probably familiar with the Gospel Catechism, which is, uh, you know, what does Gospel mean? Good news. What's the good news? You just died for my sins. Why did I die for your sins? So I can have a relationship with him. Who loves you the most? God. Who loves you the second most? Mommy and Daddy. What can you do by God's power and grace? Hard things. Um, well, as kids start to get into the preteen years, I kind of started doing this in fourth grade uh, with my fourth grader we will kind of mix in the gospel catechism when, we, when I drop them off at school with the gospel identity catechism. So the gospel identity catechism says, who does the spirit say you are? One who's washed and clean. Who does Jesus say you are? One who's forgiven and righteous. Who does the father say you are? One who's an adopted child of God. Who are you? I'm a sinner saved by grace. Um, and so 
you know, so this is kind of, uh, think about being a middle schooler. This is a good way to send your child off to school in the morning to drop, you know, when you're dropping them off or they're getting in carpool, whatever it may be. Or, you know, you're driving them to a, driving them to a dance competition or a band competition or a debate tournament or whatever it is. You're hauling them out to you just to go through this because it's just a reminder of who you are is who God says you are. Who you, got, who you are is who God has deemed that you are. And what God has deemed that you are is precious. Precious and valuable. You're washed and clean. Like your sins, like that is not who you are. Your mistakes, that's not who you are. Uh, you're forgiven and righteous. Like righteous means you're perfectly acceptable to God in every way. That's, a, that's, 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 quite, a, that's quite an identity. Adopted child of God, you're, you're, you're royalty. You're adopted into God's family. Uh, sinners saved by grace, it's, you know, it's good to remember that we are sinners who've been made forgiven and righteous. Um, because a lot of times kids will be like, well, I keep on doing bad things, how am I washed and clean? Anyhow, so that's the gospel that the catechism recommends to you. Um, but yeah, I think the big thing is, I think that reminding your child of true identity is a never-ending refrain and chorus in your conversation with your child. Key things being... Uh, who you are is not what you do. There's a delineation between what you do and who you are. And who you are is, um, that's determined by God. And what God has determined is really, really good. It's, it's precious and it's sacred and it's encouraging. And it gives you a sense of worth, humility, and comfort in your own skin. Um, I have time for questions. Any questions? Yes, Wilson. So I can identify patterns in my own upbringing that would be really uh, good at breaking down the false identity, but probably hurtful to the child. Yeah. Uh, what are some maybe positive ways, you know, I can speak this, you know what I mean? Like that false identity, I think we need to work on it. Yep. You know, saying you're not perfect to my pet kid yep. to be perfect yeah. is maybe too harsh. Like what's a positive way to kind of deal with that false identity, which is wrong, but replace it with something more positive? Yeah, and would you say the false identity in terms of like these things that these identities that kind of exist in the culture, or identities relative to like being a sinner, uh, like theological identities, or both? For, my, for me, it's you know my kid. I struggle with perfectionism. And yeah. A rule follower, smart kid. Who yeah. Doesn't make mistakes. Yeah. That's right. Not that's not true. That's exactly right. I think it's an incredibly liberating thing for a child to remind them that they're a sinner. Um, I think I'll, you know, I may have, a, 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 may have uh, let's just speak in generic terms. Hypothetically, you have a child in your household um, who has perfectionistic tendencies. And that child, their sin struggle oftentimes is going to be judging other people. Um, and then when they make mistakes, if they're a perfectionist, they're going to just unravel, right? And that's where it's helpful to say, like, hey, like, you're a sinner. Like, of course. You know, it's, it's called going from oh crud to no crud. Um, yeah, like, oh crud, I sin. It's like, no crud, you sin. It's like, you're a sinner. That's what you do. You make mistakes. Like, we don't need to be surprised by this. We don't need to be ashamed of this. I mean, we do need to, you know, repent, feel bad about our sin. But we also, like... Why are we surprised that our kids sin? Why are we surprised that we sin? And so I think that being on both sides of this, that like you're a sinner saved by grace, I think the sinner part is a lot of times just as, um, just as uh, freeing as the positive part of you're a child of God. 
um, you're forgiven and righteous. Because uh, I can remember one time we were on a mission trip and there was um, there was a text that was that was kind of one of those just like really in your face passages in the Bible about sin. And we all we talked about the kids talked about how freeing it was to read that because they were like I, I mean like I don't have to I, like it's, you know it's over I don't have to try to be perfect like that ship has sailed and so I'm you know I can kind of. I can, I can give myself more grace when I fail. Um, do you have anything you'd add to that? Or, like, or you think I, do you think you would contribute? I think that's it. I, I just think wanted to maybe you know, talk into that a little bit. Just yeah. because I, know, you know, I, I, I think the tension that I feel sometimes is um, you know, kids are dealing with a lot of anxiety and, and school and, and cultural pressure on them. So like, I don't want to break their spirit or will, right? Yeah. But I also need to break down the false identity that is leading them into the anxiety, depression, right? I mean, it's a yeah. vicious cycle of the world pushing this on them. Then they have a false identity to answer it. Yeah. It fails. They feel that worse about themselves, right? That's and I don't want to be another negative force. Yeah, that's 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 good. That's really good. Um, uh, Jill. really good really good yeah I was just going to share that I um, once heard someone say that we want grace for ourselves but karma for others (laughs) reading that it really really helps me to remember I mean of course remember our identity but also remember that everyone that I relate to and work with and my peers that this is their identity as well that's good that's really good speak that to our children no diggity no doubt yeah Yeah. Yeah. That's particularly important to tell the you know when it comes to talking about sex and lust and that kind of and porn with boys um, is just to say like hey the, the that girl you're talking about or that girl you want to hook up with or that girl you're looking at on the computer like that's a it's a person made in the image of God it's sacred like that. That that is being violated, and and you know what's going on here. Um, that's a that's a really good friend. That's really, really good. Okay, I think we're out of time. We are definitely out of time. Sorry. Here, I'll pray for us. If anybody wants to hang out after, I'm happy to talk. Um, dear God, uh, uh, bless us with the wisdom of your word and the wisdom of your Holy Spirit to to um, love our children well, uh, to affirm them in their true identity, and to free them uh, in that as well. Help us as parents to not um, to, 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 to walk in a true identity and to not identify ourselves in terms of our parenting, 
uh, to repent from that and to um, to walk in the to walk in the good news of who you say that we are. So trust you, Lord. I ask these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.